if you're really committed to exercise, whether you're a weekend warrior or you're just trying to stay in shape or be fit, to go back to my terms, um, food is fuel, mm. right? If you put, uh, you know, regular unleaded into a Ferrari, mm. that Ferrari's engine is not going to run appropriately, right? And welcome to season two, episode four of The Breakdown with Rothman Orthopedics. I'm your host, Alex Hammond. And today we have a special guest co-host, Mark Farzetta, host of The Farzy Show. Thanks for joining me today. Looking forward to it. Looking All right. forward to it. Well, what are we talking about? Uh, we are talking today about weekend warriors. I deal with a lot of people that consider themselves to be weekend warriors, so we figure what's the best way to protect them when it comes to all their orthopedic needs. And you are people. I am I am a person. Yes, awesome. So to get all of these questions answered, we have Rothman, Chief of Non-Operative Sports Medicine Division, Dr. Stephen Stash Jr. He will be here. And that's right, Alex, and we also have a fantastic giveaway for people, so make sure you listen to the entire podcast because at the very end, we're going to be giving away courtside tickets to Sixers and Clippers, and all it takes from you is a couple of follows on social media. And with that, let's go to the interview. Welcome in, Dr. Steven Stash, Jr., Chief of Non-Operative Sports Medicine at Rothman Orthopedics. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Alex. It's great to be here today. So before we get started on the topic of the day, tell us about how you end up at Rothman and your areas of expertise. Sure. So um, I went to uh, medical school at Jefferson and uh, really fell in love with the institution in Philadelphia after uh, doing my undergraduate uh, training at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. And so once I started to establish at uh, Jefferson, um, chose to stay and do my residency, I trained in family medicine. And during the process of figuring out what I wanted to do, really started to be drawn to non-surgical sports medicine, more on the taking care of athletes and, and the whole person versus just unique injuries. So I uh, did my fellowship in sports medicine at Jefferson as well. And had the fortunate opportunity to come right on board, started with Rothman, then Institute Nell Orthopedics, and have been there since. And during my time, I've had the luxury and, and things I'm very proud about doing, working with different teams, and um, you know, still providing care for, for the patients in the community. Awesome. So I'm probably going to put you on a spot a little bit, just because when we were discussing originally the topic, you told yes. us kind of a funny story about your weekend warrior <laughs> experience. Yeah. So if you don't... Go ahead and talk a little bit about that. What what happened? See, I'm I'm not a weekend warrior. Okay. Um, but every once, like once every ten years, uh, weekend warriors. I think of people that they go out there every weekend and they have their they have their activity, they have their sport, whatever it is. And I really don't play that many sports anymore. I grew up playing sports, not so much now. But I got asked to play in a hockey tournament with some other guys that I work with uh, with uh, Nasty Knuckles podcast is the name of their podcast. Riley Cote, former Flyer, Derek Settlemeyer, former equipment manager for the Flyers. And I thought their hockey tournament was going to be an honorary thing where they drop a ball because it was a ball hockey tournament and we wave, we take a shot, and we go home for the day and that's it. It ended up being uh, five separate 20-minute games, 10-minute halves. Uh, we were playing against full teams, rosters of 15. We just had five guys and I was one of the five guys. I'm literally borrowing pads from other people uh, to, to play. And it ended up being an all-day thing. 
sore as sore can be, you know, the next day. And I was told take an ice bath afterwards. That ended up helping. I want to ask you about that a little bit later, doctor. But that ended up being like my cure all. Uh, for any aches and pains. It really sped up the process of recovery for me. But I used to be out there every weekend, basketball, even like a golf, I play golf, if I, you know, walking, only walking, because it's only a sport if you walk, right. I believe. And then uh, just having fun. And I just don't do that anymore on the regular. So took about 10 years off, and that was my first time really playing a real, act, like, big-time athletic event. And it was really sore and painful. So this kind of leads us to where we are today. Um, so <laughs> with that being said... I know he said, too, he's, like, 10 years off, but who or what would actually, like, what is the weekend warrior? Because, again, like, is it someone who just participates in activities during the weekend? Is it just the person who occasionally? So what would your definition be, like, the formal definition? Well, I think popular culture definition for weekend warrior does kind of revolve around the alliteration of the WW. But in reality, I kind of look at a weekend warrior as anybody who is participating in a sport or activity that is really looking at it as more of a, a competition or something that they're really committed to. But I think it's also part of culture now where exercise, and I think that's one of the great things about the, the Philadelphia area is this is a really sports intense town, mm -hmm. and that transitions to people's personal lives and their commitments to recreational sports. And so I think the traditional definition revolves around recreational sports, but for me, it's really about people who are out there exercising and training and kind of the mentality that comes with that. And I think your story really illustrates a point that people need to be careful about, which is the un unintended consequence and the unexpected nature of when things were more than you thought they would be, right? And that's a really common thing that will lead to an injury, whether it's overuse or actually uh, sports-related, like in-the-moment injury. It's when I sign up for A and I got B, and I was no way shaped prepared for B, right. and now I have to deal with the consequences that come with not being ready for B. And, and that's something that, you know, a lot of people have the mentality, again, Philly, blue collar, tough, rocky, great, love it. I'm just going to muscle through, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's great until it's not, mm. right? And then you got to come see me. <laughs> right. And then we keep you in business. Right. Exactly. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but let me, tell, let me help you be better. Right. I, I always think of it as the person that has the day job, whether it's construction, whether it's blue collar, whether it's white collar, whatever it might be, and they still got their softball league on Wednesdays, even if it's not a weekend, right? They still got their softball league on Wednesdays. They got their basketball league on Sundays, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. uh, their touch football league, whatever. And they still stay committed to that, as you were saying. Yeah, and, and I think that if you take the step back and look at the bigger picture, it's really about fitness and activity and the commitment to something that you want to be part of, whether that's on the individual level or as part of a team. And like I said, I think that's just ingrained in the culture around here. So is there, would you say there's like a way to kind of prep for that kind of lifestyle where you're not really doing it all the time, that it's just, here I am, like you said, if it's like a Wednesday, I'm going to play a pickup game or, you know, like what's, what's the best approach to it? Yeah, I think if you're involved in a league, then you need to be prepared for what comes with that league. Like that's a commitment. A lot of times, you know, there's equipment, there's fees. And so, you know, like you, you know what you're signing up for. So like you should train for that, right? And, and the training... Um, is something that you're doing to prepare and like you know when you're younger and you're participating in sports as a as a youth or on the high school or collegiate level like that's part of the culture there right and so when you transition to the culture of being part of a group like you know the Fanny Young Sports Club or whatever, you should participate as if it's still somewhat the same. And when you kind of deviate away from that or life gets in the way, like job, life, kids, mm -hmm. you start to lose sight of, of all that comes with it. And again, it only increases the risk. 
And so I think for me, it's really, if you're committed to this and it's an important part of what you do, then you should give it your due diligence and make sure that you're preparing for it. Okay. So I personally, I question just because there's that sense, but then there's also just the people that are just all the time that they're in the gym. Mm -hmm. So I remember just kind of running, running, running a lot. And then again, like you mentioned earlier, where it's like, when do you know where it's like that pain where it's like, okay, like it's bothering me. I can kind of like go through it. Or is it just some like stuff to kind of look out for? But is there like overuse injuries? You mentioned that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. So the way that I kind of describe this to my patients is you have to look at pain on a continuum, right? What I always talk to people about is understanding the discomfort pain threshold, right? Discomfort is something that you feel that's a negative stimulation to your body, but sometimes perhaps in the recovery from an injury where your body isn't quite ready for the full amount of activity, like some discomfort is necessary and you have to figure out how much is too much. And so everybody's threshold can be a little different, but pain, is your body telling you that you are doing something that you are not supposed to be doing, right? And it's it's typically like above and beyond. And that's a signal that you're hurting yourself or you're putting yourself at risk. And so, you know, some of our athletes that have chronic conditions that they're gonna be in pain, but they're committed and they enjoy it and it's good for mental health, like that's a really constant struggle. And, you know, in the heat of the moment in competition where you are involved in something that's more than you sign up for, like that line can get a little blurred, right? Mm. Hey, we're there for that too. Yeah, right. But it's, it's, it's important because, you know, for me, I was a collegiate athlete. I made the decision that, you know, for my lifestyle, my participation in competitive sports really isn't in line with my goals, but I'm very physically fit. You know, like I, I, I use uh, my Peloton, drank that Kool-Aid. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my Apple Watch every day to close my rings, right? Like, and it's, that's another thing we can talk about later is all the data that's available for people to track their fitness. Like, it's great. It really helps promote fitness, which is important, but it can create this kind of obsessive, kind of compulsive mm -hmm. culture of, well, I have to get to the gym and I have to get on the treadmill. And, and that that can take you down a different kind of rabbit hole. What you got? I mean, on those notes, when you're talking about preparing for something, like maybe you are a weekend warrior, but you're the guy that takes a couple of weeks off or maybe a month off, or in my case, like I said, a decade. Uh, what, are the, what are the best ways for people to prep their bodies for that work? It's a really great question. So I, I look at things and, and kind of layers. And, and I think the first thing that you have to kind of conceptualize is the difference between kind of being in shape and being fit, mm. right? And, and think about those terms, right? In shape kind of implies our physicality, right? And, and you can look like you're in shape or have the self concept of being in shape but not being physically fit. Mm -hmm. So when I start to talk to patients about that, the idea of fitness and, and exercise and activity really breaks down into four components for me. You have cardiovascular exercise, which a lot of people understand that's the running, that's the getting your heart rate up to improve your fitness and endurance. But then there's strength and muscular training, balance and flexibility, and then recreational sports. And you need to uh, really focus on a diverse program that taps into cardio, strength, and flexibility if you wanna reduce your risk of injury when participating in recreational sports. And it kind of doesn't matter what recreational sport you're thinking about. There'll be some nuances, like what a guy's gonna do for golf is different than what the weekend runner is gonna do when they're cruising around the loop on the Schuylkill River. But at the end of the day, each of them are gonna have their goals. And when you understand what's required of your sport, you can then tailor your exercise plan to really tap into all three of those groups and reduce your risk of injury while participating in the, in the recreational sports. When a lot of people go out there 
and they play that sport and they experience a little bit of pain or discomfort, a lot of times their significant other, maybe friends, will say, ah, you know, you should go see a doctor, you should go talk to a doctor, whatever it might be. And nine times out of ten, that person will say, ah, I'm sure it's nothing. Mm. When do you really know? It's a, when's a good indicator yeah. for the average Joe to go, okay, this is something. So, again, I'll go back to the pain discomfort threshold, right? That's a very clear indicator for me. Like, when it seems more than you're really expecting, like, okay, I was playing kind of rolled my ankle, hurts a little bit, wake up next day, you go to put your foot down on the ground and say, whoa, yeah, that's bad. Like, that's a sign that, like, maybe you should really look into seeing somebody. You know, our bodies are pretty amazing, right? They respond in positive ways and negative ways, right? So you can heal and start to recover from something that's relatively minor until you don't, right? And so if that process really starts to deviate from your expect, like, okay, I gave this two or three days and I'm just not turning the corner, um, as Alex and I have kind of talked about before, that's kind of like the check engine light coming on in your car saying like, yeah, you got to get in and let this car get looked at. Like, So your inability to respond to kind of the traditional rest, ice, elevation, over-the-counter medications is a signal that it might be really time to seek uh, consultation with a physician. I was going to say, I was like, I like to ignore the check engine oh, yeah, light right, sometimes. Yeah, right. I was like, that's not a good, <laughs> that's really good thing. I was like, let's just cover that. Yeah, my father would be looking at me yeah. and saying, like, what are you doing? I was like, I at least know. I've got like 10 more, 15 more miles before I really have to consider doing something with that. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm cool with letting the gas light run. That's a little exhilarating, oh, yeah. Yeah. Seinfeld style, but the okay. check engine light, you know. Totally. We talked about prep, and let's talk about the recovery for a second here, because there's that battle of like hot and cold, right? An ice bath, or you put a hot compress, or a heating pad, whatever it might be. What What's that battle? Who wins the battle? It, I'm sure it's case by case, but hot and cold, what do you decide? So I'll take a step back and just make a comment on something that you said, and it's the bigger concept of rest, right? A lot of athletes who are committed, these weekend warriors, really motivated, got to participate, don't necessarily view rest in the appropriate context of what it does for your body. Rest should be considered an active part of the process of fitness, right? Your body needs time to recover. We'll just use muscle hypertrophy for an example. If you want your muscle to get bigger, you exercise it with a stressor lifting weights that causes damage, damage that then needs to heal. Healing takes time. Time and rest go together. And so if you're, if you're a seven-day-a-weeker and you're really not taking advantage of uh, some sort of diverse program that includes stretching and you're really just going all the time, you're at risk for overuse injuries. And then it doesn't matter how much ice you try to soak yourself in or how much heat you wrap yourself in, like you're on a road that leads to injury. But to answer your question, um, it really depends. So if you have joint pain, pain typically responds to ice. I kind of consider ice nature's anti-inflammatory. So that instance where you're playing your ball hockey and maybe you got boarded, which I did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. No. They had yeah. There was four. There was a lot of and them. And yeah. you wake up the next day and your shoulders <laughs> sore. That's a situation where I think ice would be probably a little bit more appropriate. However, you know, you're really tight. Your back's locked up because you know, like, oh, you know, Johnny was making me run a lot, and then I got boarded. Like so that. That might be a situation where heat works. What you're really looking for, though, is the response. You want to use the treatment and say. Oh, that made a difference, right? And sometimes people will experiment with different things. Like maybe you need heat in the morning to kind of loosen up. Maybe it's ice in the evening to cool down. Like that's the adage that I was taught playing college sports. Heat to warm up, ice to cool down, right? And so that's kind of what I, I pitch to my patients. But at the end of the day, like there's, no, there's not a whole lot of harm 
beyond your skin getting burned from either or, like you can get an ice burn. Um, so if you're if you're in this process where you're working through things on your own and you're just not quite ready to, to pick up the phone, I, I don't have a problem with patients trying either heat or ice. It's really what you think works for you. Why, why was that ice bath for me so magical? Like they basically made me feel a thousand times. Yeah, I mean, I, if your body was really inflamed and you had a lot of sore muscles, like ice can help soothe that pain. Um, interestingly enough though, there is some evidence that it could actually slow muscle recovery. So it's one of those things that in kind of chronic use may not be the best thing. But in your instance, I think, you know, you you were totally overwhelmed, completely underprepared. Completely. And your body was like, nah, I'm not really happy that you did this. Shut down. So you literally cooled it down, right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. That's, that's, that's a reasonable thing to do. You should always protect your fingers and toes with ice baths, just a disclaimer. Oh. Um, no, that's easy. Okay, yeah. perfect. All right. Didn't know that. Yeah, you get, they, they actually sell them. You can get them on whatever your online retailer might be <laughs> without making a plug. No, no, I go to um, stores. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Kidding, yeah. Or in your local sporting goods store on the streets of Philadelphia to support yeah. your local community. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you got to be careful because you can get frostbite. Okay. That was something that I learned in college where we were always going into the ice baths and like, wow, my fingers are not the right color. <laughs> I, Good indication. Yeah. Well, what's the wrong, well, what, like, like you said, you're, some, yeah, well, you knew that, so like, what's, yeah. when is it too much then? Yeah. Well, I mean, then, for instance, we could talk about runners who are running outside. Like, you know, you'll see a lot of runners who like are in the shortest shorts that they've ever worn, but they're wearing gloves, right? Because as you run, blood is shunting away from your extremities to help process the, the metabolism in your muscles. So it'll pull through your core, your other muscles that are being very active. So your fingertips and toes can get cold like that, which is why a lot of runners tend to wear gloves. So I want to actually back up a little bit because... I always struggle with what's better, warming up or cool down. Like, so is it the pre-stretch or post-stretch? It's both. Okay. It's both, right? So, so, you know, a muscle that's not ready to handle a physiological stress is at increased risk for injury. So it's really important to warm up. And so a lot of times in whatever sport you're kind of watching, you'll see the athletes that are out there running around doing more dynamic mm -hmm. movement related stuff. Some will do what we consider static stretches, which is like the bend and touch your toes. Um, but basically increasing blood flow to your muscles, preparing them for the physiological exercise challenge really helps with performance and it can reduce the risk of injury. Cooling down is giving your muscles an adequate time to kind of recover in the short term. Um, that's where a lot of static stretching can be helpful. But there's also particular dynamics, like with the Phillies, those guys come into the clubhouse and they're doing repetitive motions, pitchers are working on their shoulder, like there are very like, specific protocols that these guys take advantage of all the time. Pretty terrible at both. Like, I feel like I'm better with, like, warming up because if I'm going to run, I'm like, at least I'm walking and kind of getting things moving. The stretching, not so good at that. I left my cards in the car. I know how so, to I know how to re reach it. I know how to get in touch with you. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. I, I feel like every time I have participated in a weekend warrior event, whatever it might be, even when I was playing, like, sports on the regular, you know, when I was younger, I always felt like there was one guy in the group, if you were stretching, they'd always go, you know, it doesn't do anything. Like, I always felt like there was one person, eh, it doesn't do it, it's a waste of time. What, what's the ruling there? Yeah, I mean, if you spend any time at any point in life in the gym, like, you're going to have some guy that says that he knows better. Yeah, right, of course, yeah. But there are certain trends in, in, in sports that, like, have been around for a long, long time, right? And so, like, warming up is a pretty standard thing across all competitive sports. How you approach it, I guess there can be some variability in what's unique to your body. Like, if you're a guy who has super tight hamstrings and you've been that way your whole life, then maybe stretching statically isn't going to work mm -hmm. for you. Um, and I'm okay with that. But I think the point is you should be doing something right? Warming up and cooling down are really good for your body in general in any capacity. And so how you choose to do that and what's unique to you, I think there could be some variability. Um, 
but I would make the argument, like, if Johnny's the guy that's telling you that that's not doing anything, and Johnny's been hurt, you know, five <laughs> times over the last three seasons, yeah. Johnny probably doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he's got every ace bandage on, to yeah. no demand. Yeah, yeah. Hey, don't stretch, uh, yeah, but right. wrap up with this ace bandage, I'm telling you. <laughs> It ain't gonna get hurt. Do you know my friend Johnny? You sound yeah. just no. I've right. um, <laughs> been here for twenty years, so you know I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of Johnnies. How many Johnnies? Yeah, right. Bobby's and Vinny's, man. We're <laughs> buddies. Massage guns, yeah. therapy guns seem to be the, the big, big rage. Yeah, we talk about your online purchasers. Seems yeah. like everyone's got one now. Yeah. Ruling on that. Yeah. So full disclosure, I drank that Kool Aid a long time ago, and I've recently been exploring a lot of the other kind of like per- personally for me, but also to be able to like answer questions for patients, like is this a bunch of BS or not? And so it's a different form of activation of the muscle, right? So if you're really tight, that's typically a sign that you had that physical stress and there are chemicals within your muscle that'll build up like lactic acid, right? That's what causes that like post-exercise sting, right? And massaging can increase blood flow to that muscle and the companies will tell you that their particular type of massage gun ha- you know, vibrates at a particular frequency that will give you this much more recovery. Like whether that's science or not, we can you debate love that. Love these another- accents. Yes. Like who knew? We can debate that <laughs> another time. But I think the principle is that massaging is similar to stretching, and when you're trying to allow a muscle to be manipulated in a manner that can promote recovery. And so I, I think it's a really good tool. I have one. I use it. I actually bought one of those massage balls. Um, a little bit more complicated on how one uses it. I foam roll all the time. Oh, that's that was going to be my question. That's another really good form of kind of different form of muscle activation and joint mobilization, right? That's something we haven't spent any time talking about. We're focused on muscles. But, you know, joints get stiff. Joints move less over time if you don't activate them. Spines are notorious for this. So, like, you know, 100% confident after playing college football, I have spine arthritis. And it's one of the things, like, I got it in my room. It's next to my bed. I wake up in the morning, oh, man, I'm pretty stiff. Uh, get my foam roller out. I actually have plastic rollers. I have foam rollers. I tickered with the vibrating rollers. I didn't like them too much. And it helps loosen me up. It makes my day start off better. I feel more relaxed. I'm relieved. I can kind of get going. And, you know, these are my personal stories. And, and you know, I think in everything that I have to keep in my mind when taking care of patients, like, I'm certain that there's there's evidence out there that exists that, could support the use. Um, do I have that like ready for you in my brain right now? No. But I also look at these interventions similar to what I said earlier when it comes to the uh, idea of ice and heat, and that's the risk-reward ratio, right? Can I say with confidence that foam rolling is going to work for everybody? Absolutely not. Can I say with confidence that foam rolling is going to hurt a lot of people? No, it's not going to hurt a lot of people. And so if it's going to be beneficial, yeah, it's reasonable to try. You know, if you aren't really necessarily interested in going to talk to a physical therapist or physician, okay, I think that's reasonable. Like, get on YouTube, check it out, get some instructional videos so Mm -hmm. that you know you're doing it the right way. Um, But if there's something that is potentially beneficial at a low kind of cost for harm, whether it's a personal monetary cost, that's, hey, consumerism. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think those are all reasonable things that you can try. Um, I mentioned ace bandages a second ago in, in, as a joke. I will tell you this, though. Uh, my father, when we go golfing, he wears just about every ace bandage imaginable. Yeah. How helpful is that? Is it really supportive? Is it, I mean, I know it's a million-dollar billion dollar industry and right. all that. How supportive and how helpful are things like that? So, again, give some context. 
ballparking your age, your father's age. 39, 69. Yeah, he, if he's 69, he very likely has some, some arthritis in different areas, right? That arthritis is going to cause stiffness. All right, let's not give him excuses, okay? Yeah. I'm just starting to beat him in golf, okay? okay. All right. <laughs> but in reality, like, it happens to all of us, right? I got arthritis in different parts of my body. It is what it is. Again, injuries, college sports. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, you, know, you learn to adapt. But the point of using things like uh, an ace bandage or any sort of supportive device is you're trying to help provide extra kind of compression or, or support to that joint. And so like, I think the knee is probably the most common that is supported. And there are layers here, right? So you can go with an ace bandage or a compressive wrap, and that's just giving you a little support, a little compression, you know, helping things. If the knee starts to get swollen, that can give it a little bit of extra support. You take it another layer up, and that's like a brace with a hinge or a bar and a strap. Now you're getting a little bit of extra stability. Uh, in orthopedics, we use customized braces all the time that can literally change the angle of your knee that can shift forces to protect areas that are arthritic. Yeah, it's a really nice tool that can really be helpful for some people. And I tell people all the time with braces, they're great. Put them on when you need them, take them off when you don't, right? This isn't like a medication that you took and like, oh man, I'm committed to this for like six hours. And oh my God, my stomach is killing me. Um, well, that's unfortunate, right? So that there's kind of like that, that triage list that if you're really trying to go for, for low risk, without real significant harm to your body. Like braces are completely reasonable. How to navigate this industry that you refer to, like that's challenging. Um, but I always kind of look at that tiering, like, okay, level one, basic compression, level two, bars and straps, level three, like big, like clearly like NFL lineman style braces. <laughs> right. Is there's sort of like a dependency, like is there, obviously there is benefits to wearing it, but if you wear it too much, like are you not, yeah. I remember just like from doing competitive cheerleading with tumbling and I always had to wrap my ankles. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I didn't know if it was getting better or if, I mean, it's helping, then it's not, there's no pain, I can do whatever I want, but is there just a dependency? There are negatives to it. Yeah, yeah I think there, there, there certainly can be. And that's why, you know, if you're really committed and like, you know, let's say for instance, you're listening to, to this, this podcast, you're like, wow, that customized brace sounds awesome. Like you should see consultation with your mm -hmm. physician and find out whether that's an option that's right for you because it might not be, right? Let's say that actually you have a whole bunch of muscle deconditioning and it, with appropriate exercise in a focused manner, you can then allow those muscles to support your joint in a different manner. It could be a plug for your dad. <laughs> Although if he gets better at golf, then it's your yeah, fault. Yeah, it's not right? happening. So you don't that. <laughs> um, but the point is, like, by training your muscles, you could possibly achieve what that ace wrap or compression sleeve is doing, and then you're not dependent on it. Mm -hmm. But then there are, you know, there are other chronic conditions that no matter how much you train or how much pain discomfort you deal with or how much medication, like, it's still going to be hard to do what you want to do because you're committed, you're a weekend warrior, you're ready to go. Braces can be pretty reasonable. Got it. Uh, I know a lot of people listening to this probably have their own home remedies for things. I'm, I'm sure you must have heard a couple of crazy ones uh, or ones that uh, maybe you wouldn't recommend. We'll put right. it that way. A any jump out to you? I'll go with science, right? That uh, sounds good. Yeah, so, so <laughs> there's actually All some right. evidence that uh, turmeric, the spice, has some anti-inflammatory properties. Really? Yeah, and so that's, that's a, a low-hanging fruit in my perspective where you can take that as a supplement uh, and really not have a whole lot of risk other than maybe some GI side effects. You know, like if you're spooning 
you know, spoons and spoons like and spoons. Whole, and spoons. Like yeah, that, yeah, you're yeah. probably going to get an upset stomach there, right? Probably. Um, yeah. But but that's it. I counsel my patients on that. That that's something that is low risk, high potential yield. And omega three fatty acids also have some evidence that they can be helpful. Now, you know, well, I don't eat fish, so I can't do that. Well, there are plant based omega three fatty acids, and and I'll get a lot of questions about you know like glucosamine and chondroitin and other nutraceuticals. Um, the evidence for macronutrients versus micronutrients gets a little bit sketchy. So what is the difference? A macronutrient is something that you ingest that you're hoping your body will reconstitute into something that it's going to use to support your cholesterol, like glucosamine and chondroitin. Mm-hmm. Turns out the evidence isn't so great that, that your GI system mm-hmm. will break that down and put it back together. But a micronutrient like omega-3 fatty acids is literally a fundamental cell building block, right? So when your body breaks it down, it can get distributed to whatever cells your body might need. And so that's something that there is evidence that it can be helpful for cellular support for your eyes, your heart, your brain, your skin, and your joints. So from a bang for buck standpoint, um, that's not an unreasonable option if you're looking to try something that may give you some benefit. I was just going to say, I feel like, you know, we were talking prior, but I feel like my acupuncturist might like that turmeric <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to... Again, without knowing the actual data, I know that yeah. at points in, in the past when answering questions, I've reviewed studies and, like, it's really low risk. And I think there's a study that um, was done in India, like, with, like, just unbelievable amounts of turmeric were administered with, like, very low risk of side effects. So for those who are really trying to stay on, like, the natural path, it's pretty reasonable to, to go. Lots of teas out there for our warm, well, liquid that's, drinkers. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there definitely is that. <laughs> this is good cold water. <laughs> um, is there? Is that's there... a whole other. We're gonna listen. I'm gonna get to the bottom. Of that. <laughs> See what Doctor Google says. I yeah. am. I was just gonna ask. WebMD is yeah. so legit. So it, the uh, digital age, yeah. all the information is available, oh, but yeah. like. I didn't study it though. I just read it, right. and yeah, I don't right. know it. I just know what it's I read. True. How do you guard against things that might be a little misleading? So I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second Please here, because uh, yes. I think this is something that I, I talk to my medical students about. I think it's really important. And there's this phenomenon in culture um, that is really well summarized in a novel. Uh, I forget the author's name, but it's called The Death of Expertise. Okay, <laughs> and, and it's a really great book. You should read it. I love the title. Um, I mean, but but the the concept is we live in in a a age where information is is readily available and freely accessible in an incomprehensible amount. That doesn't mean that Johnny, uh, your buddy, who reads stuff online, has the knowledge to interpret and synthesize that information that's really going to be meaningful for to what you need. And that's where an expert who, you know, maybe goes to like medical school and spends a couple years in residency and a couple years additionally training in sports medicine might be a better authority than Johnny, who I'm sure he's a well-respected individual. Maybe like you. Yeah, right? And we're available at Roth Orthopedics (laughs) making appointments right now. Um, No, in all seriousness, it's one of those things that, like, it's really frustrating to me because, like, I I spend my day every day with my first goal of helping people. Like, when it's, my kids are driving me crazy, I didn't get a good night's sleep last night, I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning to get a workout in because I know I'm going to be in the office for nine hours, and then I got meetings, or I get to do a wonderful podcast, right? I'm, I'm trying to help people, right? And people get in their own way because the internet helps them think they know better. Mm-hmm. 
right? And this isn't a shot at people being non-intelligent because they have a lot of incredibly intelligent patients that just don't know how to interpret the information that mm -hmm. they're, they're digesting, right? Well said. So, so like, that's why we're here. That's why we go to school. That's part of us as professionals helping people. There's another thing that I think is really, really challenging, and it's, it's the, I just, there's a technical term, but it's a stay in your lane, right? <laughs> stay in your lane, right? My, my, my lawyers who are out there, like your lawyers, great, thanks for practicing law, really appreciate what you're doing. That doesn't necessarily make you able to qualify yourself for understanding medical knowledge. Like, let me help you, let me tell you. Like, and so that's a really important phenomenon um, that I think is just inherent in our society. And so um, getting back to the point, like yeah. if you're not sure, we're here to help, yeah. like come in, be seen, yeah. let us help you. I know, I, I'm guilty of it, so I can't even, <laughs> I'm just like, listen, I'm like, okay, I mean. I, yeah, I mean, like think about it, like, you know, Doctors are smart people, and like, oh, I'm really good at finance, right? I'm gonna look at Wall Street. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at, right? I'm gonna get a financial advisor. He's a professional, he's gonna right. help me. Mm -hmm. So you, you kinda gotta know your limits. And that's one thing I think in professional sports medicine, you learn pretty quickly. Like, you know what you're good at, you know your mm -hmm. lane, you stay in your lane. When you don't have the answer, you get the other guy or gal from their lane mm -hmm. to be part of the team to take care of these elite level athletes. Well said. Wasn't a bad soapbox. It's important though, I think, like, because, you know, we're all trying to do right and we're all yeah, trying to, absolutely. you know. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I do have to run this by though, because uh, in the days before there was the WebMD, before there was the YouTube doctor and all that stuff, there was Dr. Mom, and that right. was just Dr. Mom ruled. Yeah. Um, when I think of Dr. Mom, I, I think of my grandmother who raised 12 kids. All right, and she tried everything. Like there was every, like any remedy for anything growing up. She, oh, I got this for it, whatever. Right. But the her soapbox was witch hazel, <laughs> and it was witch hazel. Like if I rolled an ankle, if I pulled a muscle, if I did anything, was it witch hazel and then wrap it with an ace bandage? Ace, it was. It would like be, <laughs> be a rag. It'd be a bandage and like a plastic bag, just so it wouldn't get all over the place. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not kidding you. That, that worked for me a million times. Yeah. So it's that, that thing, like any science behind that whatsoever. And just keep in mind, whatever your answer is, you could be making a lot of people cry. Yeah. But no, she's fine. Don't she's, insult grandma. She's a tough lady. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the short answer is like, I'm not really sure what the chemical effect of which is, right? I know, uh, but, but in, all serious, so true, in all seriousness, in Tux medicated pads for hemorrhoids, the active ingredient Witch hazel. What? Really? Yeah. Look it up. I have not had um, to experience that I know one. It's good but, for your face. Yeah. Witch hazel. That I do. And so, know. like, okay. listen. That's okay. I. I. I don't have the confidence to give you like a solid scientific answer, okay. right? But I will contextualize. In the process of taking care of those twelve kids, like your grandmother, like experienced a lot. I'm sure there were some pretty significant wounds and things like. But the the, the maturity and wisdom that comes with time, like, there's there's some fundamental value to that. But, Doctor Grandma versus Doctor who went to school, right. like there's some there's some nuance there, right? And I'll, I'll digress for a second. If she's gonna listen to this, she'll be mortified that I'm talking about her, but. Um, <laughs> no, she's not shy. When, when I was in college, I um, I tore my ACL and I was on crutches and uh, had surgery and all that stuff. Um, recovered well, still running, very happy. But at the same time, my sister was playing basketball, rolled her ankle, right? And Dr. Mom, who was busy taking care of me, like after, you know, pretty significant injury and surgery, was like, well, you're fine. Well, it turns out she wasn't fine. She had a broken ankle. Oh, yeah. And she Thanks, will let sister. my mom, yeah. Right. She'll let my mom know every now and then, like, hey, do you remember that? So like, you know, everybody as a family wants to do best. There's right. a lot of love there. Um, 
But uh, yeah, sometimes uh, advice can can cut both ways. Our cure was ginger ale for everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ginger ale. Glad witch hazel worked for you. I wish I (laughs) I wish I had the time to prep for that because I would have done a little internet research. Yeah, just YouTube it. You'll you'll find out. (laughs) But but the point is that yeah, I mean like you can go down the rabbit hole for many things, and I'm sure. I'm trying to remember when I was a kid, like uh, the Vicks Vapo Rub, right? Oh, yeah, 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 that thing, right? Yeah. And, and that's just a vasodilator where it opens open you up a little bit. But um, but yeah, there's lots of different things that uh, that you could kind of explore if you wanted. While we're on that path, I do have to ask you this: a little, t- nothing to do with science, uh, but she was from the Baltimore area, yeah. my grandmother, and. Uh, uh, Balmore? Balmore area, Balmore. yeah. Dun- yeah. Dundalk, specifically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know Balmore. Dundalk, oh, yeah. tropical Dundalk. Balmore. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so I have to ask you this, because you're from the Pittsburgh area, right? Yeah. You're from the Pittsburgh area. So, I, I, and I know, because I've been to Pittsburgh a million times, and I'm aware of how well it's grown with their, uh, with Impress- their Impressively business. so, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, but So I know it's more than this, but it's the cliche, and I'll ask you this. Would you go, if you had to, if, what would make you the happiest? If we put a Primanti Brothers sandwich in front of you, or if we put steamed crabs in front of you? What's the thing? I know you're going to say cheesesteak anyway because we're in Philly, but anyway. Yeah, what, I, what, I got to tell you, um, uh, I'm a crab fan. You're a crab fan? I'm a crab fan. You're a crab fan. Really? Crab fan. You have yeah. to be a crab fan. Is there anything fan. better than a plate full of tables and a table full of crabs? Yeah, and- we actually uh, we actually did a bachelor party uh, in Ocean City, Maryland, oh, and on the wow. first night we had like the biggest crab pot bash ever. Um, so so for all the things that I maybe don't really remember well about Baltimore, <laughs> uh, I will remember. say I will say that crabs uh, crabs carried on with me, and I do enjoy them. It's funny. I, I was fully expecting you to ask me what I would choose for any sandwich versus cheesesteak. Right, yeah, no, no, that's, oh. that's where would I'm you, going. Well, okay, so there, maybe yeah. that's the follow-up yeah. for Manny's versus a cheesesteak. Well, I don't eat bread anymore. Oh. So, um, but if if in my heyday I had <laughs> yes. to pick, I'd definitely pick a Primanti sandwich. There's something, there's just something about French fries on a sandwich this that like true. you can't. Mm. You re- it's just a different thing. Now, I think I think the challenge in the Philadelphia area is the variety of cheesesteaks, right? Because yeah. when you're in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, like. It's just a permani sandwich, right. right? Like you'll have like, you know, the local bars version of permani sandwich, but it's like pretty it's close to the same, yeah. right? Like going to Del Sandro's versus Tony Luke's versus Steve's King of Steaks. I'll keep going. Like, there's a lot of differences there, right. so I think that kind of muddies the waters in your comparison. It's not really scientific. No, that's where people will argue over the bet. Like the bet, like the key. What I always enjoy about the cheesesteak debate is like, they're all. A lot of them, like yes, they're they're differently made, but it's still meat, cheese, and bread. Right. Like that's like you can't mess up that. Like concept. I'm not gonna say no to that. Yeah. Right. But the trick is to get your favorite and then right. act like everyone else is crazy. Right. Who doesn't like your right. favorite cheesesteak? How how that's that's ingrained into the culture. Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. everyone always says like their favorite place is the best place. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah that place. Pff, nah, yeah, no, like, don't try. go there. You got to go to this one over yeah. there. It's like I don't know. Like you yeah. said, it's like it's meat and cheese on bread. Like yeah. I'm happy. Although I feel a little guilty that we're talking about exercise and fitness while we're now talking about food. So and maybe not the healthiest. No, it's we call. This balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So we're talking about the weekend warrior stuff because typically a lot at sea, a lot of times like people do this stuff. They'll go out for a beer afterwards. Let's, yeah, let's transition to nutrition if you want to. There you go. <laughs> That's a nice little segue. So no, you know what I want to do is actually speaking of transitioning. So we actually are having our very first podcast giveaway. So I want to do this oh. before we. Wrap up. I know. It's like somebody wins a hat. Somebody's gonna win a hat. It's a big deal. Like you're here, Dr. Stash is here, Mark's here, so we kinda like we kinda have to do it big. So um, at some point, social media, once this episode airs, we're gonna be hosting a giveaway. Um, so it's for our listeners to win courtside tickets to the Sixers versus Clippers game on Friday, January 21st at the Wells Fargo Center. So courtside seats. Wow. I I know. That's better right? Than a hat. Right? Yeah. 
Maybe like, what the how we were contemplating whether like t-shirt <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Right, right. So we're like, all right, courtside. Maybe you get a Rothman hat on. Maybe the with like a little. You might need to. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. They're about to get a swag bag with it. Um, but to enter, so simply make sure you are following Rothman's Instagram page, which is at Rothman Ortho, as well as Mark's page, which is at Mark Farzetta, yep. and then tag a friend who would like to bring along to the game. So. That is our, our giveaway, and I just wanted to sneak that in there before we kind of wrap up this conversation. Seamlessly done. Right? Nice plug. How'd I do? <laughs> that was perfect. Okay, awesome. All right, so what else? Any other questions you have for, I know you mentioned nutrition. I mean, I guess it's kind of important to... Yeah, I mean, when you kind of... Oh, let me let me refer to the list. Yeah, I want to make sure you have any... No, if you have any burning questions... We have, yeah. we have covered the base. Throw some more witch hazel at me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> witch hazel and ginger ale. I'm, I'm not yeah. kidding you. She used to do this thing with hot water and, and uh, grape seeds. Seeds. Um, I think well, you, you, get a, you get some Greek background there. I feel yeah, like we're, know, right? we're throwing in some leaves <laughs> yeah. here, right? We're, we're... Yeah, I'm like... No, she was actually Polish, yeah. but no, she, uh, she that was a thing. That she, I don't know what it was, but I had a bad bruise, yeah, and she treated it with that. Did it work? I don't did remember. You think? I was so I'm totally little. channeling my big fat Greek wedding here with right? the Windex. <laughs> I know. No, it's, it's one of those things. It's just one of those things that she did. Yeah. Uh, and she that was a cure all along with witch hazel. It's, it's, you know, no, Doctor Mom. Don't don't really have uh, grape seeds as part of my regular <laughs> repertoire and counseling. You don't like red like like, Tailed medical school. Two great great leaves. Call me in the morning and see see what happens. Um, so nutrition, I think, is a really important part, right? So so muscles require energy, right? Energy is taken in our bodies in the forms of the food that we eat, and that turns into nutrition. Very complex topic. We could have a whole podcast yeah. about it. I don't think that we have to get into great detail, but um, if you're really committed to exercise, whether you're a weekend warrior or you're just trying to stay in shape or be fit, to go back to my terms. Um, Food is fuel, right? Mm. If you put, uh, you know, regular unleaded into a Ferrari, mm. that Ferrari's engine is not going to run appropriately, right? Okay. Now, we're not all Ferraris, right? And we're not all designed to be Ferraris. But the point is, um, you need to think critically about how you're doing things. And so um, with that, making sure that you take in appropriate, you know, I'm a kind of a believer in the macronutrients, right? Mm. Like you have your different... You know, you need carbohydrates in some form. You need proteins, fats. Like, and if you're a vegetarian, you got to do this. If you're the, so like, there's lots of different varieties, but it's important that you're making sure that you're still rolling that into your plan. And hydration as well. You know, when we exercise, we sweat, we lose fluid. Um, you know, pushing through and not remaining well hydrated can increase your risk of injuries, whether it's an actual muscle strain or an in-the-moment injury or chronic overuse injuries like. Diet, nutrition, and hydration are still part of the the kind of package mm -hmm. that should come with how you're trying to approach um, exercise and athletics. Awesome. Gotcha. They're good. So, what do you think? Any last words for any weekend warriors or anyone thinking about becoming one? What's your What's yeah. your parting I mean, words for them? Uh, I would say, be prepared. Understand what you're getting into. You know, um, uh, to to <laughs> so borrow. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? Be prepared. Yeah, but you know, to and then to borrow from our uh, one of our founding fathers, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? I, I like to go with the, um, you know, an ounce of uh, preparation is, is worth a pound of performance, right? So like the more time you spend preparing, like there is a greater payoff over time, whether you're trying to get in better shape and be more fit or whether you're trying to win and, and help your team win that league championship, like that takes preparation, right? And um, that I think over time really does make a difference in reducing injury risk. Awesome. Well, it's been a very informative Q&A. Do you feel like you know a little, like, so Highly. for your, like, 
So are you? I'm gonna... never playing sports again. No, no, no. So like <laughs> next year, you feel like you now you've got some you got some tools for next year. So we're ready, and we're yeah. and we're all coming. Oh, oh, yeah, please. Bring the cameras, <laughs> yeah. by all means. Yeah, you, yeah. you guys don't want to miss this yeah, stuff. Yeah, because I want to see. Like, it's like, all right, this was me last year. Like, before, this is the before. This is the after. They're definitely having the hockey tournament again, and I will be participating. Uh, so I will be better prepared. That's for better better prepared, because I'll do the ounce of preparation thing for the pound of performance. There you go. Awesome. And I will go home and read about Witch Hazel. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, Dr. Stash, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. It was a great experience. I was really glad to be here and, and help continue in other manners beyond what I do in the four walls of the office. Well, it's always appreciate everything that you do for us here, so. Thanks. Great talking to you, Doctor. My pleasure. like to thank Dr. Stash and, of course, Mark Farzetta for joining me today's episode. Where can people listen to your podcast? Uh, all digital media. So you can watch the show on YouTube, you can watch the show on Twitter, you can watch the show on Instagram, all over the place, Facebook Live included as well. Great. For all available episodes, head to our website, rothmanortho.com backslash podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, and a few other listening platforms. Again, make sure you enter our very special giveaway for the courtside tickets for the Clippers Sixers. And until next time, thanks for listening and take care. Thanks again. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.